time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. How's everybody doing today? Oh, some of you must be dead. How y'all doing today? Come on. Well, it's good to be at the Desperation Conference. How many of you are glad to be here at the Desperation Conference? Amen. Amen. Well, I am pumped to be here today. And uh, I have some things on my heart for you from the Lord. And I believe God is going to speak to us today. That was an amazing time of worship, wasn't it? We had a great time in the presence of God. And it, it was a blessing to see so many of you just entering in and pressing into what God has for you. And that's an awesome sight for me as a youth pastor and somebody who loves young people is to see young people entering into the presence of God. Amen. All right. Who knows what the first book is in the New Testament? Matthew chapter 7. I want you to turn over there. Matthew chapter 7. I'm, I'm just so grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Uh, my friend David Perkins for having me. And it's good to be in Colorado Springs where the mountains are beautiful, where the humidity is low. And y'all don't have mosquitoes here, do you? Oh, man, y'all got to come to Louisiana and try out mosquitoes. They're awesome. They bite you. It itches for days. It's, you get diseases from them and all that kind of cool stuff. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. And uh, I want to talk to you from a subject. Man, y'all just trashed this up here, didn't you? Somebody had a sucker up here, David. <laughs> I want to talk to you for just a minute from a subject that is my favorite subject to preach on by far. Uh, it's the subject that I've preached the most messages about by far. And many times as I get ready to minister... I'll have some cool little nifty message, and the Lord will say, bring me right back to this. Uh, one of the theme passages for my life is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says that, he said, I could have come to you in persuasive or in lofty speeches, but he said, I decided not to do that, but to concentrate on Jesus and him crucified. And I want to talk to you about the cross for a little while today, the cross of Jesus. How many of you know that the cross set us free? the cross that set us free. It was the blood, the shed blood of Jesus that made all of this possible. This isn't a fan club. This isn't a social outing. This isn't an opportunity to get away from your mama for three days. This isn't an opportunity to chase after that person you've had a crush on for six months. This is an opportunity to draw close to Jesus through the cross of Jesus. And in this chapter, there are four things, and hopefully I, we'll get to all four of them. If not, I believe that the Holy Spirit will do the work that needs to be done through the words that are spoken. And I want you to just pray with me right now. Let's bow our heads in reverence the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you today that we have the ability through the shed blood of Jesus to come boldly into your throne room. We thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to receive the unending marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. 
And today, Lord, I ask you that you would just anoint me afresh to declare your word. I ask you to strengthen my body to be able to declare your word with boldness. And Father, I ask that every person here, every young person, every young man, every young lady, every parent, every chaperone, every youth pastor, every leader, that they would be touched by the power of your word and by the power of your cross. We ask that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, oh, y'all can do better than that. Everybody said, amen. All right, all right, all right. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 starts with the word you. Point your finger at somebody and say you. Oh, that was weak. Point at somebody else. Get your finger out. Point out and say you. There you go. There you go. Everybody, every Christian's got to have a prophetic finger. Amen. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is what? Wide. For the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Only a few ever find it. In case you video guys are wondering, I'm in the New Living Translation. Only a few find it. The first thing about the cross you need to know today right off the bat is that the cross is a gate. It's a gate. And you look at the cross and the symbol of the cross, and it doesn't look like a gate. You know why? Because it's a narrow gate. It's not a big old wide gate that swings open. Above. No, no, no. It's, it's a narrow gate. In fact, it, it, it's more of what we would use the word portal. It's kind of a groovy word nowadays. It's more of a portal. And, and you see, the thing about the cross is that you don't just stroll through the gate of the cross. You don't just accidentally wander through the gate of the cross. You don't just somehow follow somebody through the gate of the cross and end up in eternal life and with eternal life. No, when you cross through the gate of the cross, you know it, my friend. See, the gate of the cross is so narrow that nothing can fit through it except you. That gate of the cross, you have to, you have to turn and you, the, the Bible says, turn from your wicked ways. You, you, you have to turn. You have to move away from the direction that you were heading. Repentance means that you turn and go in the opposite direction. And, and in order to make it through the cross, you can't go through the cross front ways. You got to go through the cross sideways. You got to turn. And then you, you, you realize after trying to go through it a little bit that you don't fit. And you start realizing you got baggage on you. You start realizing you got things that you got on your life, the bondages, the shackles that we were just talking about, that, that he was talking, we were free from. You realize you can't carry them through the gate of the cross. You, you can't carry things of this world through the cross. And, and the heaviness of sin, your past, your baggage, your guilt, all of that, it will not fit through the gate of the cross. So you began having to strip all of that off. You begin to have to take off all of those things that, that you've done in the past that grieved the Lord and that were disobedient to his word. You have to take all of that off because something new is beginning and you can't bring old things into the new season of the cross. So you turn and you finally, you get rid of everything. You know, I, 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 
was at the airport this morning, and it's so aggravating because now not only do you have to go through a metal detector, but now they have this big machine that, that takes pictures of you. And you have to go in there, and they say, and I had some, I had some eye drops in my pocket, and so I, I didn't take those out. And, and when I got in there, they ran a picture. They said, oh, sir, you have something in your pockets. You're going to need to take that out. And, and I'm like, okay. It's my eye drops. Really what it is is it's gasoline so I can light the plane on fire. <laughs> All in here, it's awesome. So I said, sir, you're going to have to take that out of your pockets. And, and then and then that's not enough to say, uh, sir, you're going to have to spread your legs out. So, you know, you just, you, you're kind of in there. And, you got, and I say, now, sir, you're going to have to put your hands up. <laughs> sir, you're going to need to hold that position. And you know what? Passing through the gateway of the cross is a lot like that. You don't just traipse through the cross. You don't just, I, I didn't just. Walk, used to, you could just walk through the metal detector and it either went off or it didn't. That ain't how it goes anymore. Now you got to, it's a process. It's one step at a time. And if anything is out of order, then you're going to have the privilege of getting a pat down. And evidently, I guess because I still have some things in my pocket, even though I went through all of that, I still got a pat down. And passing through the cross is very much like that. It, it, you, you, you try to go through and, and, and hopefully you have somebody that loves you and, and, and is willing to be a, a bearer of truth to you and minister the love of God. And you say, ah, no, no, you're not ready. No, go back. And then you try to make it through there with, with an infatuation for the things of the world. So I says, no, 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 you got to lay that down. Try again. Uh, go put that back over there. That's what they tell you. Okay, go put that over on the x-ray belt. And many times we see leaders are so desperate to get people saved that they're willing to give them a freebie on the process of the cross. They want to just say, hey, just come up here to the front. And if you'll come up to the front, everything will be all right. If you come up to the front, you'll know Jesus now. When in reality, you may not know Jesus. In reality, you may not be ready because you're not ready to, to let everything be stripped away in order for the one goal of receiving eternal life. Jesus said there was a pearl merchant and he had all kind of pearls, but he found one great pearl and he got rid of all the other pearls just to get that one pearl. When you find Jesus, you got to get rid of everything else. You got you 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 can't hold on to anything else, and you pass through the gateway of the cross. And it says that the way that leads to hell is broad, and many are they that choose that way. When you're at your school, and when you're out in in. The life that we live now, unfortunately, in the country that we live in, we may be known as a Christian nation, but we're not a Christian nation. And you're out there, and, and you're not the majority. You're the minority. Those of you who go to public school, those of you who are out where the masses are, you know that we're not the majority. If you want to be truly cool, 
the way of the cross is not for you. If you want to be the most popular person in school, the way of the cross is not for you. If your goal is to be the most popular person in your class, guess what? That's something you're going to have to take off before you pass through the cross. Because if you don't take that off, you'll find yourself doing anything and everything in order to be popular that completely contradicts the commitment that you've made to the Lord Jesus Christ. Gate with the cross. Only you can squeeze through it. And you know what? You can't squeeze through there with somebody else. Your mama can't carry you through the gateway of the cross. Your youth pastor can't carry you through the gateway of the cross. Nobody can bring you through the gateway. You have got to go through the gateway by yourself. You have to make that commitment. The cross is a gate. We could talk about that all day today. The gate of the cross. And say, okay, I get it, Joe. The cross is a gate. No. The cross is a gateway. And it is not a big, wide open gate. It is a narrow gate confining, constricting. Jesus said it would be easier for this man to to pass through the eye of a needle than it would for him to be saved. It would be easier to pass through the eye of a needle than for this man to be saved. He had so many encumbrances, there was no way he could fit through the gateway of the cross. The rich young ruler, he wanted to go through the gateway and bring all his money with him. Most of y'all don't have any money, so you don't have to worry about that. Am I right? How many in here just broke as a joke? You don't spend every dime you got on Cokes and candy bars and so hyped up sugar rush. You... I, I, I love it at conferences because conferences have a smell to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they have a smell. I, I can walk in the building at a conference and go, oh, man, this is first day. <laughs> or, oh, this is second day. Oh, but then the wonderful, you say, oh, this is the third day. Because there's a bunch of kids, a bunch of 13-year-old junior high boys who ain't bathed since they left home. And when you get home, your mama's going to go, get in the shower. The rich young ruler, he could not take his money with him. Jesus said, okay, if you want to pass through the gateway for real, get rid of your money and come back. And then you can pass through. So he went away saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let go of my money. I'm not going to let go of the things that I'm not going to let go of that relationship. I'm not going to let go. I've wanted to date this person for so long, and I know that they're not saved, but I'm willing to hold on to them instead of pass through the gateway of the cross. I'm willing to give up the cross for another couple of years just so that I can do my thing. And one day I'll pass through the gate. But right now I got too many friends who are unsaved and would think I'm crazy if I pass through the gateway of the cross. See, the test of the gateway of the cross is not in here. Everybody in here is supposed to be saved. Everybody in here is here at the desperation conference. They're giving their life to the Lord. They're hearing about all kind of awesome spiritual things, intercession, missions, all this. It's not here. It's three months from now. In October and November at school and around your friends when they're all smoking weed and they're all telling dirty jokes and they're all talking about their latest sexual encounters. That's when the gateway of the cross. That's, they're on the broad way. And many are they that choose that way. Whether they even know it or not, the default mode of humanity is the broad way that leads to destruction. Humanism says man is naturally good. God says man is naturally depraved. 
Ephesians 2 says we were born under God's anger because of the rebellion in our heart. The gateway of the cross. I present to you today the gateway of the cross. Have you passed through the gateway of the cross? Because if you have truly passed through that gateway, it was such a painful experience, you don't ever want to have to go back through again. These people who come in and out, back and forth to the altar all the time, uh uh-uh, they're not going through the right gate. They're passing through the gate of religion. They're they're passing through the gate of self-justification. They're passing through the gate of ease my conscience for today. They're passing through the gate of an emotional response and not a lifelong eternal commitment. When you pass through that gateway of the cross and you have to give everything up and you have to turn from your wicked ways and you have to shed some tears and you have to cut off some relationships and you have to make some decisions in your life, you don't want to go back. I mean, I don't don't want to do that again. The cross is a gate. No, let's keep going because we've got... Three other things. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. Listen right here, verse 17. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Whoa. Man. Joel, this is heavy. Yeah. When you start dealing with the cross, you're dealing with a heavy subject. First of all, if you don't go through the narrow gate of the cross, you're going to bust hell wide open. Well, I don't really believe in hell. Well, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Actually, you're making the biggest mistake of your eternity. I don't care whose book you read, and I don't care who whispered into your ear that everybody's going to end up in heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The devil is the father of lies. The cross is the only way to eternal life. Now, he says, if your tree produces bad fruit, it's going to get chopped down and thrown into the fire. Okay, so you say, well, Joel, I'm saved. Good. Now, let's talk about the tree of the cross. Because the cross is a gate and then it's a tree. What kind of fruit is your life producing? You say, oh, I'm righteous. I've been been saved by the blood of Jesus. Okay, good. What's the proof of that? What's the fruit of that? What is the fruit that your life is producing? is, Is your life producing the fruit of being disrespectful to your parents all the time? Oh, it's quiet in here right now. See, I like silence. That's good. That means I'm, I'm, I'm touching something. What, what if I got your mama up here and ask your mama, are they respectful at home? Ooh, boy, it would get ugly in here, wouldn't it? What, what if I said, uh, 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 ma'am, this is your son here. Uh, whenever you ask him to go clean his room, what, what is the response that you get? Uh, this your daughter right here. What, what happens when you ask her to clean the bathroom that she's destroyed? Is it, yes, mother, I'll get right on that. Or is it, ah. What's the fruit? What's the fruit in your life? What, what happens when, when, your youth pastor tells you, you know what? That's not a good relationship for you. 
You go, well, I don't care what he said. I'm doing what I want. Well, that's bad fruit. Bad fruit. What happens when, when your youth pastor brings words that are meant to hone you and shape you and mold you and, and not just make you feel all grand and happy about yourself? Well, I don't really like the messages that are being preached. Yeah. Good or bad fruit. That's right. So the cross is a tree. What kind of fruit is being produced by your life when you get in the locker room with the guys for football practice and they're all talking about perverted things? Do you just jump right in? Or do you just sit silently and afraid to say anything? Or do you say, hey, you know what, fellas? I pass through the gate of the cross. I don't participate in that. They say, well, they might think I'm crazy. They probably need to think you're crazy. If you, I, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't draw a radical line, then you'll never hold the line. If you don't make a radical statement, you'll never hold that statement. You're not going to just fit in with everybody and be a radical believer. We don't see any illustration of a great man or woman of God, particularly in the New Testament, that was a radical Christian that just fit in with everybody. Uh-uh. In Acts chapter 17, they said, these men have turned the world upside down. Chapter 16. These men have turned the world upside down. They, they, everywhere they go, they make a big old mess. You know what? I want to make a big mess everywhere I go. I don't want to fit in with the world. I don't want to fit in with what the world tells me. I don't want to fit in with religion. I don't want to do what religion tells me to do. I, I want to put aside every selfish ambition, everything that says, you know what, Joe, if you want to be popular, you better act this way. You know what, Joe, if you want to be accepted by the world, you better not say that. No, I got to put that aside and shoulder my cross and follow Jesus. Let me tell you something, honey. You're not going to be popular carrying a cross. What's she doing? What kind of fruit? The cross is a tree. The cross, whenever you really come through that narrow gate and give your life to Jesus and say, I want my life to begin to reflect the glory of God. I was made. We just sang it. I was made for your glory. That's not some abstract idea. That's not just some song we sang. Uh, 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 that wasn't written just because it rhymed. No. We were made for his glory. How do we reflect his glory? By producing the fruit that Christ produced out of his life. Love, gentleness, self-control, purity, holiness. These are the fruits are these the words that describe your life? Or are the words rebellion, perversion, disrespect, dishonor, difficult? Are you difficult to deal with? Second Timothy 3, 3 uh, says, in the last day, there'll be very difficult times. That, that means there's people who are going to be difficult to deal with. Are you difficult to deal with? I know when I was a teenager, I was difficult to deal with. You told me not to do something, that was a guarantee I was going to do it. Unless it had to do with work. You won't wash that car. You're right. <laughs> I guarantee you won't go out there and weed that flower bed. You're exactly right. 
But if you say, you won't sneak out of the house and go to that party, it's like, watch and see what I'll do. What is that? That's not the fruit of the cross. That's the fruit of the flesh. That's not the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of Joel. Joel in himself is incapable of producing the fruit of the cross. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me, I begin to produce fruit that is completely contrary to the nature of Joel. Joel is not nice in his person. Look, when you've been through as much as I have, it's easy to have an attitude like, you know what? You ain't been through nothing. Shut up and sit down. When you face some of the things that I face, it, you, you, don't have, you don't feel sorry for anybody. Nobody. It's just like, you know what? Life's tough. Get over it. But when the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of you, you begin to feel compassion for people. You begin to operate in the love of Jesus. You begin to be polite when you feel like being mean. You begin to pray for somebody when you feel like slapping them. And difficult people, you begin to have long suffering with them instead of just being like, I ain't fooling with them no more. And you begin to produce the fruit of the cross. The fruit of the cross. Now, we see a third thing here. And I think this is my favorite one. Verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day. How many of you, your Bible in red says on judgment day? Y'all got a Bible in here? Somebody got a Bible? What's it? On judgment day. That, is that what the word of God says? On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. Oh, man, these are some serious things here. We better know about these things. First of all, the highway to hell. Second of all, the tree. You're going to get chopped down and thrown in the fire. Say, ooh, man, this is serious stuff. This ought to put the fear of God in us. Now it says, hey, guess what? You can have everything going for you. You can have the right jeans. You can have your cool Christian T-shirt. You can have your hippo on. You, you can... You could wear your toms and have given some kid a pair of shoes somewhere in Africa. You could have your faux hawk going on. You could know how to, how to fit in with the praise and worship and, and all these things. But it says, you know what? What, what? what are we talking about here? We're talking about the line of the cross. The line of the cross. Now we come to no compromise. Now we come to the issues of compromise in our life. You know, a lot of times in my preaching, I will mention certain specific things. Like last year when I was here, I think I mentioned Twilight. And how many of you were here last year? Come on. We had a good time last year. The Lord moved. And, and, I, and I talked about Twilight last year. But this year, I, I got some other things in my crawl. And... And whenever I start mentioning specific names, people start bowing all up. There ain't nothing wrong with that. 
I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, let's, let's, let's start with an extreme example. Lady Gaga. Now, let me just inform everybody here as a prophet of God that if you are in love with Lady Gaga, you are not saved. So don't sit there and think, if you listen to Lady Gaga and think she's great, you need to come to the altar because you're not saved. Okay? Lady Gaga is a witch. She's full of the devil. She's putting out a fragrance that the theme of it is blood and semen. Yes. She has, she has ridiculed and blasphemed our Lord and Savior, his cross, his resurrection, everything to do with Jesus. Somebody said the other day, no, Lady Gaga loves Jesus. Well, if that's the love of Jesus, then I need to get saved. Says she sat in an egg for three and a half days before the GMA, and then she was hatched into rebirth in a false resurrection. And so we come to this line of the cross that says, okay, let's talk about Lady Gaga. What side of the cross is she on? What side? Say it louder. The wrong side. Because the cross is a line. And, and I get so tired of people just saying, well, everything, that's really in a gray area. No, it's not in a gray area. It's either on the right side of the cross or the wrong side of the cross. And somebody says, well, there's nothing that says in the Bible that thou shalt not listen to Lady Gaga. No, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of Jesus. And you know what? If Jesus was on the earth right now and you went up to him and said, and I'm going to act like David's Jesus. You said, you said, Jesus, is it okay for me to listen to Lady Gaga or does she, does she grieve you? What would Jesus say? Oh, look, you ought to go hang out. There ain't nothing wrong going down to her concert. I'm going next week myself. No. It's very simple. And, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. You just ask him, Holy Spirit, is this, is this something that's lifting up Jesus? I was born this way. No, no. Judas lover, no, no. That, that one is not, you know, if you can't get that one, you're a spiritual retard. That one's like, that one's not, that one's not a problem there. But we, we have all kinds of, now, nowadays we got all kinds of kids flocking after Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And see, people are getting mad as we speak. And say, oh, well, there's, there's nothing wrong with Justin. Is he on the right side of the cross or the wrong side of the cross? See, and some people are confused. They say, right. Yeah. Does he sing songs that glorify Jesus? Are his songs about the Lord? Could he come in here and sing songs that would uplift the Lord and the anointing would fall and we would all lift our hands and be slain in the spirit? No. And you say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but when did the standard become there's nothing wrong with it? What about what's right with it? We got all these 
powerful men and women of God. We got bands out there for days who are full of the Spirit of God, full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, live their life to worship Jesus, spending time in prayer rooms and writing love song to Jesus. And they got umpteen CDs out and iTunes and all that. And yet we got a Justin Bieber DVD we done worn out and had to buy a second one. You say, now, Joe, you saying if I listen to Justin Bieber, I'm going to hell. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you better learn the line of the cross. You better, because you know what? It won't end with Justin Bieber. Because Justin Bieber says his mentor is Usher. So then we go, well, there's nothing wrong with Justin Bieber. Why don't we just listen to Usher? And why don't we just turn on this filth that he's got, this sexualized demonic disaster that he is. Let's turn that on. And then we go from there. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with Jay-Z. Said he blasphemes Jesus and is a Satan worshiper. And next thing you know, the line, you've gotten so far from the line, you can't even see the other side. And parents, they think their little 13-year-old running around holding hands with somebody is so cute. Yeah, but there's a line. And before you know it, She'll be 16 and pregnant, and you won't know how it happened because it went from cute to ugly overnight. I remember, now it's an old movie, Godzilla. Anybody see the, the newer Godzilla? And, and when, they, when they're hatched, they're cute. They're cute. They're the, oh, they're little monsters. Isn't that funny? That's what Lady Gaga calls her followers, little monsters. See, but the problem is little monsters don't stay little. I saw, I saw the other day I was in a puppy store, and there was all these cute little puppies. And one of the, the, probably the cutest one in the whole store to me was the English Bulldog puppy. And I'm telling you, he was adorable. was a little little cute little male English bulldog. And he, he was in his little, they had him in cribs, you know, and people are just carrying him out of there. They're just, oh, $1,000. Oh, here it is. <laughs> but they say, what are you going to have to do? Give it shots, feed it every day, and clean up crap after it. Here's $1,000. Can I please have it? Marketing has amazing power. Think about what it does with sin. Little bulldog, he's in his little crib. He's looking up. He's so cute. Fast forward one year from now. All the cuteness will be gone. Slobber will be everywhere. And little monster will become big monster. And right now he's got a sissy little bow tied around him. But a year from now he'll have a collar with spikes on it. And right now, he doesn't even have any teeth that are sharp, and he can kind of nip, and it's kind of cute. Oh, a year from now, he will bite your finger off. <laughs> and it happens with my, my mom. She got a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and, and he was a little puppy, and he was so cute, and he had the little strip on his back. And he was like, now he's 130 pounds. The line of the cross, it starts, well, I, 
there's nothing really wrong with this. That, yeah, there's, there's nothing really. I, you know, not all R-rated movies are bad. Some are worse than others. This one isn't a bad one. There's nothing wrong with that. What's the line? There's, there's nothing wrong with going out and being alone with somebody of the opposite sex at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, okay. There's nothing wrong with making out. There's nothing wrong with this and that. Yeah, the devil is baiting you. There's a line, the cross, and it's not a nebulous line. It's not a, a line that's left up to everybody's interpretation. It's the same line for me as it is for you. The question is, how strict will I choose to regard that line? Because you know what? I don't want to get there on that day and say, but Lord, Lord, I went to church every week. But Lord, Lord. I did have a few Christian CDs. But Lord, Lord, I wore my purity bracelet until I lost my virginity. See? I said, yeah, you had a form of godliness, but you denied the power thereof. What's the power? The cross is the power of God unto salvation. The cross, where's the line at? And the line is not what your friend tells you they think it is. The line is what the Holy Spirit tells you. The line is what uplifts the person of Jesus. The line is what glorifies God. The line is what's going to lead me down the highway of holiness and what's going to put me in the ditch of compromise. So the cross, it's a gate and it's a tree where we produce fruit, good or bad. And then it's a line. And finally... Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The, the cross is a rock. The cross is a rock. And there's so many aspects of that we could go to. Jesus said, you'll either fall on this rock and be broken or it'll fall on you and crush you. But we don't have time to get into that today. What I want to say to you is that the cross is a rock. It is a place of strength for you. You know, there comes a point, and, and, and in fact, I, I want to read this, this scripture very quickly, and you don't have to turn there because most of you don't know, know where it is. You hadn't started reading your Bibles yet every day. First Peter chapter 4, and Peter says in verse number 12, He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Nobody likes me anymore. I don't have any friends. It's nothing strange. Instead, be very glad. Oh, yes. Nobody came to my party. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So he's saying, listen, it, it, it's not, we shouldn't have a pity party when hard times come. Now, we go back in verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Who, me? That's not what I want to do. It's the way of the cross. 
There's freedom from sin. There's liberty. There's great joy. But there's also suffering involved. He says, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. For you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness or partying and their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. The rock of the cross that says, you know what? Even when things go bad, I would rather cling to the rock of the cross than compromise with the ways of the world. Because I can promise you something, and I ought to have a PhD in this arena, and that is that tough times will come in your walk with God. And anybody that promised you, hey, come to Jesus, and it'll make your life great, they didn't know what they were talking about. What about those who were martyred in the Colosseum and they were ripped to shred by lions and their children right before them? Was that your best life now? No. And the Spirit of God that comes upon us when we're saved and that leads us into holiness and righteousness and the fruit of the Spirit Whenever we get in hard times and the enemy will try to isolate you and try to get you discouraged and depressed so that you turn back to the world, the cross is a rock. It's unmovable. It's unshakable. It says whether I I experience blessings and prosperity every day of my life or whether I walk through hell and back in my life, I'm going to hold on to the rock of the cross. And there's some young people here who you have given everything for Jesus, but all hell is broken loose against you. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas in Acts 16. I'm referring to it earlier. They, they were preaching the gospel. They were casting out demons, and they got beat and thrown in jail for it. They didn't call the jailer and say, hey, can you bring us a, 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 a shot of J.D.? They started singing and praising the Lord. They held on to the rock of the cross. They didn't allow adversity. They did not allow struggle. They did not allow suffering to cause them to waver from their conviction and what they have been through with the cross of Jesus Christ. And there are going to be times in your life where you are going to experience tremendous things. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And thank God for those times. But... When you walk with the cross, you're going to experience crucifixion. There'll always be resurrection on the other side. But crucifixion is the way of the cross. And God uses those trials and those tribulations and those times. Even serving your best friend is going to not want to be your best friend anymore. So we've been best friends for 10 years, and they don't want to be your best friend anymore because they don't want to listen to the music that you're listening to. They don't want to talk about the things you talk about. They don't like you wearing your Desperation Conference No Compromise T-shirt around with your other friend because it embarrasses them. And you know what? People, that's my only friend. That's my best friend. Who, yeah, well, Jesus is your best friend now. Who was his best friend when he was up on the cross naked, dying for the sins of the world? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The way of the cross. I want you to bow your heads with me as we come to a close. Because the cross has been a hammer today. It's been pounding on your life. It's been shaping on your life. This 
There, there are many different gifts and there are many different anointing. But, but this anointing today, this message today is a prophetic message highlighting the greatest symbol of freedom and the glory of God in the cross of Jesus Christ. It denies the wisdom of man. Man sees it as foolishness, but we know it to be the very power of God. And you know what? As I've talked today, some of you thought in your mind, say, you know what? I, I don't think I really want to be a Christian. Oh, we're making some progress now. See, my job isn't to persuade everybody in here that they ought to join up with the club. Nor is it my job to see how many of you I can get up here to the altar so I can count all your heads and Twitter about how many people I got saved today so everybody will think I'm anointed. That's not my job. My job is to get you in a place of embracing the cross. My job is to get you to count the cost. Jesus said, don't get started until you count the cost. He said, you wouldn't start building a building before you had the funds. He said, you might build the foundation and run out of money and be a laughing stock. How many young people do I know who are zealous for God for three months after, after a encounter like this at a spiritual mountaintop and they go back and they tell everybody I'm saved I'm desperate for more of God I'm embracing consecration I'm embracing intercession and mission and then November you're off at some party drunk as a skunk and everybody's asking, say yeah where's desperation now you built a foundation but you ran out and now you're a laughing stock Jesus said, what king with 10,000 would go to war if the other king has 20,000? Would he not send a peace treaty? You better reconnoiter the enemy that's coming after you. You better understand that there is an enemy out there who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when you're unsaved, he doesn't even have to fool with you because you're leading yourself to hell. But when you get saved, that's when the onslaught comes. The devil's not happy about you giving your life to the Lord. He hates you. He wants you in the lake of fire with him. He wants you in the place of destruction. And if he could use Lady Gaga or if he could use Friends TV show that makes you think that sleeping around with all your friends is okay and cute, he'll use whatever he can in order to lead you to destruction and the lake of fire that he's headed to himself. The only difference is he can't turn. He can't go through the gate. He can't produce good fruit. He's a liar and the father of lies is consistent with his character when he lies. He can't be on the right side of the cross. He hates the cross. He wants nothing more than to rebel against the cross. He hates the rock of the cross. He hates it when people cling to that rock. He does everything he can to pry their fingers from that cross. Yet the cross remains. Stands. That cross remains a symbol of death that leads to true life, of crucifixion that leads to resurrection, of eternal life. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. I feel his anointing here. I feel his power here. The cross is the power of God unto salvation. Three points from an MTV show last week will not bring the power of God unto salvation. The cross will.
Now there are those here today and the cross is wrecking you. The cross, for you, it's a wrecking ball and it's wrecking your thoughts. It's wrecking your preconceived ideas. It's wrecking what you thought about Jesus. It's wrecking what you thought about yourself. You thought you're fine. You thought you're cool. You thought everything is great. But today, the cross is drawing you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I don't care if you're 12 years old. I don't care if you're a young man. You're fighting with the temptations of the enemy. You're fighting with the lust of the flesh. I don't care if you're an adult and you're fighting with the pride of life or the greed that the enemy would try to put. I don't care who you are. I don't care what it is you're battling. I don't care what your position has been. I don't care what your prestige has been. I don't care who thinks what about you, good or bad. The cross is the great equalizer. It is easy to drift from the cross. It's easy to, to at one time have a grasp of it, but begin to relax the grip, begin to, begin to lose sight of the rock of the cross. It's easy to have the winds of life and the storms of life blow. And because of those storms, you let go and you embrace something else other than the cross. And today, the Spirit of God is saying, come back, grab a hold of that rock and never let go. He's the rock that's higher than I. He's a rock that will never be moved, can never be shaken. Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus said in John 2, unless the seed of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. Some of you leaders, you say, I'm just not seeing the fruit that I want to see. You haven't embraced the cross and died. You young people say, I'm not producing good fruit. I I can look at my life and see that the tree of my life is not producing good fruit. It really ought to be chopped down and thrown in the fire. Embrace the cross. Pursue the cross. If you're in here today and the cross, Jesus said to to his disciples, the cross for many will be a stumbling block. There's some in here right now say, ooh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Tell me something good. I am telling you something good. The cross is a stumbling block. He said, but for others, it's a way of life. The cross of Jesus all over this building with every head bowed. I want you to bow your heads right now. Because God is doing business with people. God is doing business with people. Now it's not the time to pass a note or look around or crack a joke or get giggly and immature. Right now is the time to allow the cross of Jesus to come in and say, have you passed through the gate? Have you produced the fruit of the cross? What line of the cross are you on? 
Where are your convictions at? What have you allowed yourself to partake of that may lead you back through the gate into the path of unrighteousness? Or has the devil beat you up so much that you let go of the rock of the cross and you're just drifting now? You were hurt. You're bitter. You're just drifting. That's you. Today, you need a fresh encounter with the cross of Jesus Christ. You need a fresh encounter encounter with the cross of Jesus. You need a fresh encounter where the cross today has been put before you like the plain signboard that Paul said he had placed before the Galatians in chapter 3. You need that fresh encounter. You need that fresh encounter. I want everyone in this building to stand on your feet. Every one of you. Every one of you. And I'm not going to be long, but before I turn this back over, I want to give many of you an opportunity to respond. I don't know. You might be in one of these four areas. You might be in somewhere else, but the cross today has resonated in your life. You say, I've been doing this and that and going there and doing all these things. You might be a youth pastor, and you've been serving God, and you've gotten so busy, you've gotten away from the cross in a day. You say, I need to come. I've I've not been preaching the cross. I've not been living the cross. I've not been a person who has, has been faithful to lift up the cross and apply the cross to the lives of my young people. And today, you need to come up here for a fresh impartation of the message and the gospel and the revelation of the cross. If that's you, wherever you are, if you're unsaved and you need to pass through the gate, you realize today, I'm not even through the gate. I've been flirting with Jesus, but I've never married him. Are you producing bad fruit and you need to embrace the cross and it no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me and the life I now live by faith in the Son of God. Whatever it is, I want you to get out of your seat and come and stand right down here with me. Wherever you are, just begin to make your move. All over, all over, all over. Just come quickly. We don't have much time. Quickly come from all over. These precious young ones coming. Young ladies, young men from all over. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you today. The message of the cross. Maybe you've never even heard the message of the cross. Maybe you've been in church and you never even heard. God forbid. But today you've heard the message of the cross. That's right. Come as close as you can. There are many people. They need to get as close as they can. Come as close as you can. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, I love this big altar area. Praise God. Gives us room. Gives us room. Now, the position of the cross is of surrender. That's the position of the cross. Jesus' hands were nailed. When you're crucified with him, You can't move on your own behalf anymore. When you're nailed to the cross, you can't run anymore. You're just right there with Jesus. Jesus, if there's anybody else, great. But if it's me and you, it's me and you. One of the thieves on the cross made fun of Jesus. And the other said, how dare you make some fun of the Son of God? Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. If you're up here in the front, I want you to just lift your hand. Just like you're stretching out. Just like the crucifixion, just like the crucified Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're following him. He's our example. He's our example. What a beautiful sight. 
these young men, these young women up here reaching out to Jesus, saying, I want the cross. Say it out loud. Say, I want the cross. Say it again. Say, I want the cross. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus, I thank you right now that you are the crucified Messiah. You didn't just come to earth and rule as a king. And you said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve all mankind. God, today, the message of the cross, I pray it did not just end here, but it was driven like a stake into the ground of their heart, into the very depths of their soul. And it's going to begin to resonate. And everything that does not belong with the cross would be shaken off. And everything that contributes to the glory of you, Lord Jesus, would remain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You know, Wednesday night, there was a time of ministry we had at our conference this week. And there were things that people were giving up. But I feel that there is a different spirit here, and the Lord leading me in a different direction. Many times we deal with fornication and sexual sins and addictions and drugs. But I think this group today is going to have to deal with some other issues like friends. Many of you have friends that have kept you from the cross. And you don't mind having your cross in your bedroom. You don't mind listening to a little worship every now and then. But you're scared to bring your cross out into the open. And peer pressure and friends have paralyzed you from carrying your cross. I remember my dad got right with God at 16 years old, and the Holy Spirit told him, carry a Bible to school. And he was so embarrassed. It, it killed his pride just to put a little New Testament in his pocket. But he did it. He took a step, took a little New Testament and put it in his pocket. And his worst nightmare happened right in the middle of class. Somebody said, Larry, is that a Bible in your pocket? And that was the moment of truth. And he stepped up and he said, yeah. It sure is. And he pulled it out and started reading it. And everything in him, he was shaking, he said. But he crossed the line. He crossed the line and said, you know what, Jesus, I'm serving you, not some girl in the class who I don't even know who calls me out in front of everybody else. How many of you up here at the front, you'd say, friends and peer pressure is holding me back from the walk of the cross. Hold up your hand. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. I know, I know. I, I love you, pe young people. I've been pastoring young people for 10 years. You might as well all be my youth group. I, I look at you, and I see the faces, and I see the thing, and I know the things that the enemy does. The, you know, the, the devil is coming, but he's not creative. He's amazing at repackaging old junk, but he's never come up with anything new. Peer pressure. If that's you, keep your hands raised. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, today we ask that the cross of Jesus Christ would begin to dominate our life and desires. That popularity, peer pressure, 
and the, the, the gravity of those around us who have not embraced the cross, that it would be broken by the power of the cross. And that whatever you tell us, Holy Spirit, if you tell us to carry a Bible in our pocket, if you tell us to read our Bible on lunch break, if you tell us to fast for a day, and everybody asks, Why, what you going to eat for lunch? Say, nothing. I'm giving up a meal today for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be reading my Bible. Whatever it is that you will be obedient, even as Jesus was obedient to the death on the cross. Now, you may put your hands down. How many of you here, you've been through a situation or you've been through something? Maybe your parents went through a divorce. Maybe you went through a heartbreaking situation. Maybe you faced something. I know in my life, and, and, and I pray this isn't the case for any of you, I, I went through great sickness, and that sickness made me so mad and angry and rage. And God, why would you let me be sick like this? 16 years old, on dialysis three times a week. I was in the hospital up to six months at a time. Do you know how bad that stinks? And, oh man, I got mad. I said, I don't want to serve a God that would let me go through this. And bitterness came into my heart. And I was angry with God. Some of you are angry with God. Some of you say, God, why did you make me look like this? Why, why, why don't I look like that person? Or why couldn't I have been uh, skinnier or more muscular or taller or shorter or, or, or just whatever? Or have a bigger nose or smaller nose? Or man. The lies of the enemy. Today, there's a bitterness in your heart that's keeping you from embracing the cross and walking with the cross. And I had to encounter the cross and see the unbelievable love of God for me. And I said, this, God is not the one who put me through this. The devil is the one who put me through this. God didn't make your parents get divorced. The devil did. And you, you're so upset and angry and you have to go back and forth. Or maybe you have to live with somebody that's not even your parent. And you're so upset and bitterness. And bitterness has kept you from the cross. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hands. Wherever you are, just lift them up high. I know. There's, there's many of you, you've walked through things, you've walked through things, and, and, and I'm going to lay my hands on this young man as a sign of all of you, because I, I can't get, just all of you, keep your hands raised, keep your hands raised, you got your hand raised, all of you right here, just keep them, lift it up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke bitterness, I rebuke unforgiveness towards God. I rebuke anger towards the cross and the things of God because of negative things in our life. Lord, I thank you today that you're revealing your love through the cross because the cross is the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest sign of your love ever, 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 ever. There will never be anything that even comes close to it. It's not a record to be broken. It's a standard for all eternity. How could we be bitter at a loving God? And God, I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for these young men and women and even parents and leaders who bitterness has kept them from the cross. And we break the power of that bitterness today. It's broken. It is broken. And we say just like Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Now, I want to deal with one more area here. 
because I, I, I'm feeling something else, and then if the Lord gives you something else, we'll do that. But, but I feel this one, one thing, and that is loneliness, discouragement, depression. Oh, depression is, depression is such a hard thing. And you know what? I, I, would be a, I would be a liar if I didn't tell you that I battled depression. There have been times in my life where things have been so hard, and, and I've, I've gotten so, oh, just I didn't think I could take it anymore. And, and the enemy, that's what he wants. He wants to get you depressed. He wants to get you discouraged. He wants to get you isolated. And then you start throwing a pity party. And then you don't even feel, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like hanging out. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. And, and you know what? You've got to quit asking. Jesus didn't ask himself how he felt. He went to the cross. He said, God, not my will, but your will be done. Even when he sweat great drops of blood and the disciples were all snoring, they couldn't even pray with him in his darkest hour. He was alone and he was, just, he, he, he was facing discouragement and depression and anguish. But he said, it's not about me, it's about you. And there's some, you're facing, you, there's a great loneliness in your life. I, and you know what? You can have a lot of friends and be lonely. You can be in a room full of people this big and be lonely. Or discouraged or depressed. Maybe you say, I used to be so on fire for God, but I've just gotten so discouraged. Maybe you stepped out at school and you got so ridiculed. And now you, you lost a lot of friends and you don't have anybody to hang out with. And it's Friday night and you just sit at home flipping channels on the TV thinking, man, I've given everything for the Lord, but I'm not, I don't, where is he? The cross. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's part of the cross. You feel forsaken. You feel lonely, depressed, discouraged. I want you to lift your hands. The greatest enemy of spiritual leadership is discouragement. God said it to Joshua over and over again in Joshua 1. Don't be discouraged. Oh, Jesus. Watch us feel the compassion of the Lord right here, right now. Because, man... The enemy, he tries to come in like a flood. He tries to come in. I, and I, I mean, it it can be overwhelming, but God said, the, the, the word of God says that he will not give us anything that's too much for us to bear. Book of James says it, it, he won't cause us a temptation or burden that we cannot bear. You can make it with the cross. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I speak to loneliness. I speak to every tormenting spirit of discouragement and depression. Even Elijah, the great prophet, faced discouragement and depression and was even suicidal. Some of you have even felt thoughts of suicide. I break that in the name of Jesus. We nail that to the cross right now. Depression, discouragement, loneliness, delusion. We break your power. In the name of Jesus, we break it. We break it. God's doing something in your lives. I wish I had time to just pray personally with all of you. But the Holy Spirit, he can minister. He knows. And whatever you've been going through, I encourage you, go to your parents. Go to your youth pastor. Go to your cell leader and tell them what God's doing in your life. Because pride is... You say, I'm embarrassed. That's pride. And that's the opposite of the cross. Transparency is the way of the cross. 
transparency says, you know what? I'm nailed. I'm dead. Do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about me. You can do whatever you want to me. I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ. Somebody doesn't like it? Well, that's too bad. I'm up on the cross with Jesus. We'll have to, you have to talk about that with him. Today has been an encounter with the cross. Praise God. And you know what? That's all I got. There's, a, there's no, I don't have to have some secret weapon in the bag. I don't have to have some gimmick or whatever. The cross is all I need. A carpenter has a hammer. A doctor has a stethoscope. But a preacher has a cross. And you know what? Going forward from today, if you don't remember anything about me, you you may not remember my hippo. You you may not remember anything about me, but you need to remember the cross. You know, all the time I hear people say, isn't that that cross guy, Joel Stucker? Isn't that the cross guy? I love that. Yeah, I'm the cross guy. I'm the cross guy. I don't know what other people are doing, but I'm the cross guy. The cross guy. And I pray that you would be too. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.